Hey, my name is Christy McGuire, and I am the Vice President of Business Solutions for the Americas at Workplace Options. I'm very excited to be joined today by Allison Brogley. Allison is an international sales strategist, um, an innovative marketer, and a professional problem solver. Since 2013, she has worked in the insurance industry in both carrier and consultancy organizations for life and disability insurance and retirement planning. Today, we're going to be discussing the social determinants of health and how organizations can respond to the determinants of health in the workplace, as well as the importance these factors play in the workplace itself. So to give our listeners a bit of context, the World Health Organization defines the social determinants of health as non-medical factors that influence health outcomes. They are the conditions in which people are born, in which they grow, work, live, and also age. Some examples of social determinants of health include income and social protection, education, unemployment and job security, working life conditions, as well as social inclusion and non-discrimination. The social determinants not only affect the health and quality of life, but they can also impact the workplace and affect job performance, attendance, retention, as well as productivity, all of which make the social determinants of health as something that employers need to pay attention to when examining organizational performance. Allison, let me start by asking you, uh, based on your experience and perspective, why should employers pay attention to the social determinants of health, and how do these factors influence the bottom line for organizations? Sure, Christy. So I think it was great that you reviewed what we're speaking about when we're speaking about the social determinants of health. So really looking at health in a very holistic manner, and I think in ways different than a lot of times we, we think of, of health. And so I like to think about when you think of these areas, when we're thinking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, these are the most important needs, a lot of these social determinants of health. And when people are unable to meet these needs, it's very challenging for them to thrive in other areas of their life. And I think it's beneficial when discussing why should employers um, be interested in this, it's really important to look at it from a blue-collar versus a white-collar type of job. And this is not to say that there won't be overlap of what people are struggling with in both types of jobs, but for someone in a blue-collar position, they may be struggling, for example, with accessing health care, as many of these types of jobs don't provide health care. Um, they may not also be paid as much. So that has a ripple effect on many of these areas that you just mentioned in terms of how they're able to provide for their families, where they're able to live, and transportation they able, are able to have access to. So for an employer who has a lot of employees in these roles, assisting them to make sure that their basic needs are being met will allow their employees to thrive more at work will reduce turnover, and especially now when many service type of jobs are struggling to find employees, it will be an incentive to have people want to work for you. And when we are looking at white-collar organizations more, what we are seeing more and more, and especially since COVID, is that people are expecting more of their employer in terms of them providing them more than just a paycheck. They want to feel that their employer has interest in them as a person. And I know from being a manager how many things you need to focus on at once. However, by paying attention to this for your employees, you're going to be helping them with employee happiness at work, better attention, 
being known as a place people want to work and increasing the quality of work your employees do. Because when people are struggling in areas outside of their work, you're many times going to see that reflected in the work that they do for your organization. Wow, that is very well said. And and most certainly, I think, you know, people come to work and a lot of what they do becomes, you know, who they are at the company and how they feel accepted and the resources that they have available to them. What has have you seen as some of the gaps and barriers that prevent employees from accessing quality care and support? Sure. So first, I think it's important to look at our quality care and support available to them and easily accessible to them. Many times employees don't even know what all they have access to. So either it was not told to them or, you know, it was very quickly told to them during orientation when they're already being bombarded with lots of other information. And even if they know that they have access to it, access to it, it many times can be hard to find that information and those resources when you actually need it. So if they can't easily access the information or resources, are they going to be comfortable asking someone how to find it? And also while talking about mental health and asking for help is becoming much more common in recent years, there is definitely still stigma for some around asking for help and even accessing that support. And another barrier is the care and support they have access to. Is it actually going to be a a benefit to them? Many times people don't even know they need help. And even if they realize it, they don't know what help they need. So if they're partaking in this support, is it actually supporting those individual needs and what they're actually dealing with? That's an excellent point. I think now today more than ever in the past, organizations are rethinking the types of benefits and support that they're offering employees. Um, and this is a very important uh, key to, you know, to, to consider when, when looking ab- around what benefits should be offered. In your perspective, how can organizations determine what health-related resources and services their employees need access to, bearing in mind the unique needs of each individual? So using a combination of ways is, is definitely going to be beneficial. An HR organization can be following what other companies are doing and what is working with their employees. I don't think we always need to reinvent the wheel. If something is working in one company, at least consider it for your company. But with that being said, each organization is very different in terms of what they can afford, what they can support, and what the needs are of their employees. Because of this survey, it can can be a very accessible way to ask employees what type of resources and services they are looking for. The downside of this is that this way of collecting information is only as good as employees knowing what they are dealing with and what would be a benefit to them, as well as what resources are even available in in the world. So if the company does have the resources to do it, utilizing a questionnaire that can ask a little bit kind of deeper probing questions that can really get an understanding of what's going on in someone's life and what concerns they have, and then being able to to look at that and offer resources that will be of assistance for that group of people. Also, there are many people that really like to have their voices heard, especially when it comes to support that's available at a company. Anytime you're able to get someone that's able to be interviewed, 
that's a great opportunity to allow them for follow-up questions to what employees are saying and really having that conversation so you can get to the root of what is actually going to help someone because many times we think what we know is maybe going to help us, but actually when we're talking something out and through with someone, we actually realize actually maybe another type of support would actually be a benefit. That's a really great point. I think we think we know what would be beneficial, but in in reality, it might not. So listening to the people, getting the data and the results from what the population is saying is so incredibly important. And I'm I'm sure a lot of companies that do that really get to see what their population is experiencing. Also, you know, today now more than ever, leaders are really having to do so many things. They have to wear so many hats. And I guess, you know, from your perspective, how can leaders respond to social determinants of health in the workplace? And in your mind, what benefit do well-being programs provide for this? A good place to start is to start speaking about the different social determinants of health in the workplace. In many organizations, you're probably going to hear some talk about nutrition, physical activity, sleep, maybe stress reduction, but there are so many other aspects of our health, and and sometimes I'd actually argue sometimes things that are even more important areas to speak about, because yes, nutrition is important, activity is important, but if you're living in an unsafe neighborhood, that's probably going to take over um, a lot of these other areas, and that's going to be kind of the driving force of how of what the support you need. So that's why I think it's really important to focus on all these areas and realize that health is so holistic, and each thing has a has a ripple effect on everything else. Um, however, in terms of implementation, each organization is really going to need to do this differently. They're going to need to look at the needs of their individual employees, as well as looking at what the organization can realistically do. Overpromising is not going to serve most companies well. Not all companies have the same resources, and that needs to be acknowledged and just do the best with what you have. A company's word is important to their employees. So ensuring that whatever is being spoken about, the actions of the companies follow that. If a company is speaking about the importance of work-life balance, but then regularly having people working late or on weekends, your employees aren't really going to be taking your words that seriously. Now, this is maybe being looked at more of an issue from a white-collar type of role. For a blue-collar position in roles where people are doing, for example, more shift work, it can definitely be more of a challenge as many times they're more removed from the corporation's initiatives if they're just coming in for their shift working their shift, and then going home. However, if you look at a company like Starbucks, who are paying higher wages than many of uh, other comparable jobs, providing health care, training, and education opportunities, they are looking at some areas where they can positively impact their employees' holistic health status. In terms of what benefits wellness programs provide, that really depends on, I think, a couple things. But one is they're providing what employees need, and if employees are actually using those services. I think we know many times services are being provided, but but they're not actually being used. So if they are being used, they can really help increase an employee's work quality, reduce sick time, make employees feel more connected to their company. Now, if they aren't being used, it would be good to look at why. Is Are they not the right resources that are being provided? Are the resources, is nothing communicated well that these resources are available? And understanding what the reason is if 
these options aren't being used is really going to be helpful for that organization because if you're putting the time, energy, money into offering these services, you do want to make sure that people are using them. So understanding then why are they not being used and then being able to make changes to the program so that employees find benefit from them. Yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, all of us come from different backgrounds and we have different experiences in our lives and and everything you just said, sometimes it's hard to know where to start. I can't tell you every day I wake up and I read a different article about you need to sleep more, you need to eat healthier, you need to exercise more, you need to do this, Mm -hmm. you need to do that. And it's really, I mean, not everybody sits down and says, I'm going to get a plan in place and I'm going to do all of these things. So I feel like you know, there needs to be a place that somebody can start. There needs to be a place where they can come to one place and figure out what's the best pathway forward for them. How can they take their problem, whatever it is, and and move forward with the best solution? And, you know, leading into my next question, you know, we do live in a different world today. I think every day you wake up on the news, there's some um, new crisis somewhere in the world going on. It's very different than it was several years ago. And, you know, workplaces in general are evolving and they're just they're adjusting to these disruptive events that are truly impacting the organization and their employees. And so often companies are so focused on the safety factor and the risk factor of the organization, but they're not necessarily looking at the psychosocial risk factors that are potentially going on. In your opinion, how do you see the need for organizations to focus on psychosocial risk factors in the workplace? And how do they affect employees' well-being? So I think, you know, it used to be for many jobs were just looked at as somewhere where you weren't, you went to earn a paycheck and you probably didn't expect that much else from your workplace. It was just a place to, yeah, have that secure place to get your benefits. You come, you go, that's kind of it. But that's definitely been shifting in recent years um, from employees' mental health becoming more of a focus and with younger generations not wanting to work at a company just for that paycheck. Younger generations are more open about mental health challenges and are looking into aspects of a company that previous generations just weren't focused on. So there needs to be these open conversations now about burnout, how to prevent it, how to deal with it if you get there. And managers need to be trained on how to support their employees on this, especially as they're going to be the ones leading by example. I think what's really hard is we get caught up in our day-to-day responsibilities. We are very, you know, a lot of times reactive. We're just focusing what's right in front of us. But when we step back, we recognize that if these these things, other aspects of our health are not focused on, it eventually is going to wear down the company and that you're going to have people getting sick, getting burnt out, going to be leaving the company. And so it's a challenge because, again, you do have revenue goals. I'm not taking away from that. You do have to run your operations. But there is needs to be a balance, and, you know, it does need to come from higher up that you can look at the company as how can we obviously need to achieve our company financial goals, um, operations, what we need to give to our customers, but also keeping those employees healthy and happy. Because at the end of the day, if you don't have them, you ultimately, that's going to have then an impact on those other things. Your products or services aren't going to be able to be delivered. Your financials are going to struggle. And so it's really, again, looking at it, it really shouldn't be looked at in silos that each of these things need to be focused on because each of them have a large impact on, on each other. 
No, that's a good point. I think going back to your point, having open conversations is so important and feeling that, you know, yourself that you can have those things with your um, superior or your manager. I think, and I hate to bring up the word the pandemic, but it did Mm -hmm. change a lot of the way we work today, unfortunately. And I think one of the things that came out of the pandemic is, is how important that human connection is for people to feel supported and connected in their communities and within their organization. How do you, well, how do you view social support for employees and and how does it contribute to positive health outcomes? Yeah, and I first just again, I want to comment on on your point. Well, COVID definitely, you know, has had many negative, you know, implications for companies. I think one thing that it did allow us to do is it brought the mental health conversation in out of the darkness and into the light, which I think was something that we needed. Um, sometimes, as I say, like, you really only make a change when, when there's just kind of no other option. And I think we kind of got to a point, and, and it's sad that we had to get to this point, but people were so stressed out that something had to change because people could not keep going the way that they were going. So, I mean, that is the good thing when we see negatives in this world, a lot of times that's what sparks change. So I feel like what we're seeing more now and why there's so much importance of the social support for employees is that people, you know, nobody wants to feel like they are alone. They, they want to feel like in the world and part of their organization that you do matter to the organization. I think a lot of times we want to separate our outside life and our work life. That really just can't be done. If we're bringing our whole selves to work, we, that is part of our overall life. It is such an important part of how we feed our families, how we spend our time, where our energy is going. So we really can't disconnect the two. Human beings, we are tribal creatures and we are not flourishing without social support. So Again, that shouldn't be that we just have the social support outside of work. We need that social support in the workplace as well. I mean, think about how much time we spend at our jobs. We spend more time there for many people than they do with their families and friends. So finding that social support in the workplace is really imperative to a healthy work environment. No, that's a great point. And I think that leads me to my last question here. You know, going back to our conversation in the beginning about, you know, how companies are reinventing themselves and they're really focusing on their culture um, of the organization and their culture of well-being. It's, it's definitely an important topic uh, for most organizations today. You know, we all, we so often think that people just know where to go and they know how to pick up a phone and they know how to connect into any of the services they offer. But so often, again, that isn't the case. And so we've seen um, this new role emerge, which we would call the mental health champions, uh, where these individuals are, are volunteering on behalf of the organization to really sort of be the gateway or the advocate to this culture that the organization is creating. Um, and so we see these individuals and their role being such a huge part of connecting with people um, and really supporting them when, you know, times are difficult. So in your opinion, what role do mental health champions have in the workplace and how can they support employees uh, to find quality of care and support their health related concerns? So I think the more way that we can find to destigmatize needing and asking for help is, is extremely important in workplaces. Continuing to emphasize, like, if your leg was broken, you wouldn't be told to just keep trying to push through it and deal with the pain and the negative impact it is having on your life. 
So understanding that taking care of your mental health is just as important as taking care of your physical health. And I think this is important to continue to reiterate, because even if we know it, I think, again, you know, something that's a physical thing, we can see it and and it's a different type of pain. So we're more likely to just go to a doctor and and deal with it. Uh, But again, we need to take the same care for our mental health. And not that I want to focus on productivity, because I think there is sometimes too much attention put on that in our culture. But if that is something that's a concern of someone's like, oh, I'm taking time out to focus on my mental health, I'm not going to be as productive. That's actually not going to be true because understanding that taking care of your mental health is actually going to help you be a more productive employee and a better team player rather than avoiding the issue and having it negatively impact all areas of your life. And having these people in these roles that are these mental health challenge, uh, champions, I think it's just so important because seeing someone in your company speaking openly about mental health and showcasing that it is something that every single person deals with at some point in their life is important to show. We need to normalize. There are ups and downs in life. We are not broken for this happening, nor is there anything wrong with us if we need some additional support numerous times in our life. Allison, we cannot thank you enough. This has been so informative and really great. Um, Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much, Christine.